Uh, this morning's been brilliant, hasn't it? Don't you just love that presence? As Justin was saying, just that presence, just recognizing it, connecting with it, letting it just come around our hearts, our spirits. It is amazing. You know, as a young teenager, right through my teenage years, I love to play rugby league. And the simple thing about rugby league I enjoyed was the simplicity of it for me. I was a big lad. I was a strong lad. Probably wasn't the brightest lad either, in many ways. And I just loved the fact with rugby league, it was just a simple game. Get the ball and hit the person in front of you. Or, if they had the ball, hit the person in front of you. It was just that simple. Ball means hit. Either you hit the person with a ball, or you get hit by the person that's trying to hit the ball. I loved it. It was an amazing thing. I really enjoyed it. And I was pretty good at it. But when I was 14, I had a little injury, and they said that I couldn't play for a year. And that was killing me. Absolutely killed me, because I really enjoyed that confrontation. I really enjoyed the hit. I was missing the hit. And a friend of mine said, how about you come along and have a go at AFL? Now, the AFL guys didn't know me, so they didn't know that I had an injury. So I went along. I'd never seen an AFL game. I'd never played an AFL game. I had no idea what this thing was about. All I knew was it was called aerial ping pong. And I went to the first practice and I saw these guys running around the field. And they said, oh, well, show us what you can do. So I kicked the ball and they said, oh, you can kick far. How about you go into fullback? So I okay. Got no idea what that is, what we're going to do there. So I was just running around the guy with the guys on the first practice, and I saw this guy have the ball, and I just went into that old mentality. Hit the guy with the ball. Apparently, you've got to hit them in a different way in AFL. So that was my first mistake. I hit him wrong. But then the next time he had the ball, I thought, oh, well, I'll hit him again, but I'll hit him right this time. Then out of the blue, from nowhere, this kid just tackled me. And I got up and said, what? What are you doing? He said, it's part of the game. I said, hang on, what? He said, it's called shepherding. So hey, you can't do that in rugby league, but you can apparently in AFL. You can knock the person off the ball who you're trying to get to. Big grin came on my face. I can hit people without the ball? You mean I can just tackle? Oh, it was heaven. I'm in heaven. So the next two weeks we trained and we rehearsed and I got to know the game a little bit. Third weekend, we decided that they decided they'd have a trial game. It's like, oh, cool, we're actually playing the game. It's no longer training, it's no longer learning, we're in the game. So the trial starts, the game starts, and for the first 10 minutes, I was having a ball. If it moved, I hit it. Whether I had the ball, whether I, I was just hitting things left, right, and center, and I was enjoying myself. And I'm thinking, this is great. And I've gone in for this kid, and I've just bent him over backwards. And I got up and thought, oh, that was a good one. And all I hear is, and I look up, and there's the ref. And he takes one look at me and says, son, get off. So, what? Get off. Why? You know, 14-year-old kid, attitude. Why? He said, you're playing too rough. I said, you're kidding me. He said, no, it's only a trial, son. Get off. Playing too rough? This is football. 
You can't play her too rough. But the problem was, he had the authority. And I had to submit to that authority. He turned to one look at me and said, nah, too rough, it's a trial, get off. Save it for the real game. Isn't this the real game? Aren't we already in the real game? When we strap on those boots and we get into the game, we're playing the game. And that's what we want to take off from this morning, is continuing on with Colossians and picking up in the next verse that we're in is Colossians 2.16, where it says, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. See, the Colossian church at this time was being intimidated by a false teaching. We've been learning about it over the last few weeks. Simply stated, this teaching said this simple thing. They were trying to impose upon the Colossians, you need Christ plus. You need Christ plus. There's this plus bit that's in there. See, they were saying, you need Christ plus philosophy. You need Christ plus wisdom. You need Christ plus mysticism, plus dietary conditions, plus the observance of religious states, plus fulfilling the religious ceremonies, plus, plus, plus. There was all these additions that were being imposed upon them through this teaching. And it was the pluses that determined the spirituality, not the simplicity of knowing God. It was the pluses, where the fact is it's the simplicity of knowing God that determines how spiritual we are, that determines our connection with Him. See, don't you hate it in, the wor- in your workplace or in school or in life in general when you're just out to get your head around something, new job, new position, new things you're doing, you're just getting to handle on it and you're enjoying what you're doing and then suddenly all these pluses get ad- added to it. We know you're doing this, and you're doing a great job of that. But can you do this as well? How about, how about you stretch yourself into this area as well? How about you try this? See, it's just plus. They add continual addition onto what you already know. See, the false teachers were saying, it isn't enough to know Christ. You have to know Christ plus. You have to know Christ plus doing all these other things that it says in verse 16. And many of the pluses reverted back to the Jewish law. It reverted back to something this Gentile Christian church hadn't actually had anything to do with in the past. See, they were new believers. And a lot of these things that were being brought in, the pluses that were being presented to them, they were a foreign thing. They didn't fully understand them. See, they knew Christ and, he, and, they, and his good message. That's what they knew. The simplicity of the good news. And now, here were these additions that people were trying to impose upon them. See, the observances had value at one time. They pointed the Jewish people in the Old Testament to Christ. These things that were being presented, these additional things that they were talking about, were something that were great in their time. They let us know about Jesus They let us know about the focus of what he would be and how he would flow in our lives. The things that we would look forward to, the things that we would 
experience in his coming. See, they pointed Jesus, uh, they pointed the Jewish people to the Old, uh, in the Old Testament to Jesus. However, when Jesus came, he fulfilled all of those purposes, all of those laws, and in his own life of obedience and sacrifice of death on the cross, he fulfilled it all. Simple. Jesus came and fulfilled all those things. See, Paul's rebuttal of this in Colossians, this false teaching, where they're saying you need Christ plus, Paul simply states you need Christ plus nothing. Christ plus nothing. All you need is Jesus. He is the simplicity of spirituality. You need Christ plus nothing. See, Paul starts verse 16 with the reference of therefore, which means we have to look at the scriptures immediately prior to the ones we're looking at. It's a joining word. So we need to look back at what he said in the preceding teachings. He'd already taught the Colossians in the previous versions, uh, verses, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled with him who is the head of all rule and all authority. Paul's already taught the Corinthians that all they need is Jesus. That all rule, all authority is in him, and now he is in you. The fullness of him is in you. So why do you need these pluses? when you have the fullness of what you actually need. You don't need to worry about the pluses. You worry about the simplicity of who he is. See, we've seen in those previous verses, Paul telling the Colossians that God has given them complete salvation, complete forgiveness, complete victory, and complete life in him. It's complete. And when something's complete, you don't need more. You can't add more to something that is complete. You don't need to add something more to something that's complete. It's full. It's everything you need. So if everything is complete in Christ, then don't let anybody come along like an umpire and make a spiritual judgment on your dependence on what you do and don't do. That's what Paul's telling the Colossians. But it's no different to us in today. We don't need anybody else telling us how spiritual we are by what we do or don't do. We are spiritual because we know who is the author and the finisher of our faith. We know who is the one who has all authority, who has all rule, and he lives and dwells within us. The simple fact of Jesus. We don't need to add on to that. Colossians 5.1, or sorry, Galatians 5.1 says, For freedom Christ has sent set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. I love that. Jesus set us free for freedom. He set us free so we could be free. So therefore, don't go back to the old things. Don't look back to the old ways. Don't worry about the additions. Just worry about that simplicity that I know God. He is for me. He lives within me. He dwells within my heart. I am complete. 
I don't need to add any more. And I don't need anybody else being an umpire in my life telling me whether I am or I aren't. Christ set us free to be free so we don't get entangled with the pluses, with those extra additions, with that other people say to us, this is what it means to be spiritual. When we know in ourselves what the true meaning of spirituality is, and that's a relationship with our Father. Verse 17 goes on, These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. See, all these rules, all these legalisms, were just a shadow who was to come, which is Jesus. They were a foretaste, they were a promise. They were a focal point for the Old Testament people. A glimpse of what we really were to be looking for, which is Jesus. He's the fulfillment of everything. Who remembers Peter Pan? The old Peter Pan cartoons. Remember when Peter was chasing his shadow? Through the, sh- the movie, he's chase- trying to chase his shadow. Who played that game as a kid? Come on, I want to sh- see all the, those people with uh, maybe a couple of years on them. We all, we all did it. We're all like Peter Pan. You try to, if you try to catch a shadow, it's impossible. You can't do it. As a kid, we play those games where you try to sh- chase your shadow, and all you would do would exhaust yourself with actions. By the end of it, you'd be sitting there, <sighs> did a lot of work, got nothing. You can't catch a shadow. It has no substance. It has no form. It's only a reflection of what you really are looking for. So why focus on the shadow when we have the reality? Why focus on things that people impose upon us saying this is what it means to be spiritual when we know the person who is spiritual and makes us spiritual, which is Jesus himself? See, our shadow may project the image of something, but it doesn't have depth. There's no depth in a religious service. There's depth in a connection with God. There's no character. There's no understanding. A shadow doesn't understand you. It just follows you around. Sometimes it goes ahead of you, depending on when the sun's shining on it or the light's shining on it. There's no understanding of who you are. It's just a reflection. There's no emotions. There's no personality in a shadow. It's just the image of something much better, the reflection of what we're looking for. See, I can be outside doing something, and if Donna comes to me in the right way, her shadow will cast in front of me. And instantly, by looking at that shadow, I know she's there. But I make a decision there. Do I connect with the shadow, the image of her, or do I turn to her and connect with her, the one who has personality, the one who has character, the one who has depth, the one that understands me, the one that knows me, the one that loves me. Why turn to the shadows when we have the reality of the true God? The fullness of Jesus Christ dwelling and abiding within us. I love the way Paul puts that. Don't worry about the shadows. These other things, these other pluses that people are trying and trying to manipulate and impose upon you, they are nothing compared to the reality of Jesus, to the fullness of who he is. And what he does in our lives. Verse 18. 
Let no one disqualify you. Insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, asceticism. And going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind. See, to disqualify is an athletic term. I experienced it when I was 14. Disqualified, sent off, even though I was playing the game correctly. Just wasn't playing it the way he wanted that day. I did nothing wrong. But he had an idea of how it should be played at that point. It's an athletic term. The umpire or referee disqualifies the contestant because he has not obeyed their rules. Paul's saying, don't be disqualified in your Christian journey, in your walk with God, based upon another person's opinion of how you should be doing it. Don't let their thoughts about the game, how the game should be played determine how you play the game. Don't allow another's mindset to disqualify you. See, don't let anybody say you're disqualified from obtaining the prize because, because you haven't been disciplined enough or you haven't had the right worship focus or you haven't actually experienced the right visions. That's what was happening to the people in Colossae, the new believers. They had people telling them that this is what you should be doing. This is what you should be experiencing. This are the pluses that need to be added to your journey for you to fully reach spirituality. Rubbish. Spirituality is God. These false teachers have said, those things I said. All these pluses, all they do is inflate the fleshly mind. And that's what we found in the book of Colossians, that these people were just being inflated in their fleshly mind. They were seeing themselves as greater, that this is the way. We've experienced something more than you have, so therefore you should be doing it our way. And we're going to tell you whether you are spiritual enough or not to continue. See, we've got to remember what Paul is saying in Colossians. You need Christ plus nothing else. Just him. Just Jesus. See, back to the sporting analogy. If you know your game, if you know it, you really know the game you're playing, you know how to play it, you know the rules, you know the players, and you know who's in, in, in true authority. When you truly know something, you can't be swayed by clever arguments or distractions, by something that seems plausible, because you know the game you're playing. It's in you. It's a part of you. You know the rules. It doesn't matter if somebody comes along to you and says, no, no, you've got to play it this way. No, 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 no. This, this is the way you play doesn't matter if they're in a position of authority or not, because you know the game. There's a quote. I love it. It says, A man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. When you experience something, when you know something, when it's a part of who you are, it doesn't matter how well somebody argues against that. It's like so easy to say, No, I, I hear what you're saying, but I know. I know. I know the game, and I know how to play it. 
Paul says in verse 16, don't let the legalists condemn you. And in this scripture, he's saying, don't let the mystics condemn you. Don't let these other influences determine how you will continue your walk with God. 19 goes on to say, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. Love that. Holding fast to the head. That image of grabbing hold of it, like a football, <laughs> knowing you're about to run into the opposition, but you're holding, because that is the whole game right there and then. Disregard the football, throw it off the field, there is no game. No matter whether you're playing AFL or rugby league, soccer, it doesn't matter what sport it is. If the ball's not there, the game's over and done with. If Jesus isn't in the middle of everything we're doing, the game's over and done with. He is the head. And we are connected to that head through the church, through the body of Christ. And it's from that connection that true spiritually comes. It comes from knowing Jesus, not from these additions, not from these add-ons, not from these extras. It's just a simple connection with the one who we love. See, without a vital connection to its head, the body of Christ cannot grow. Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. It's that connection with the head that brings life, that brings fruit, that brings the game, that brings spirituality. See, the spiritual body grows by nu um, nutrition. Well, actually, that scripture says being nourished. The spiritual body grows by nourishment, not by addition. It's not about extra things added on. It's about the connection to where we're getting our flow. And our connection is Jesus. Our connection is Christ. That is what makes us spiritual, our connection to God. It's through worship, prayer, His Word, that we draw the spiritual resources of Christ. We don't add, we draw. We don't add. No matter how much somebody says to you, hey, if you add this to your life, you will become more spiritual. You will become a better Christian. Yes, sometimes we do need to add some things, but not to become more spiritual. Those things are added to us when we draw upon God, we draw upon His Word. We draw upon his anointing. We draw upon his revelation. He speaks into us and he'll reveal some things in our lives where he says, let that go. If you let that go, life will be easier. If you let that go, you'll know more of what you can achieve. It's not adding on, it's letting go. Growing God isn't adding, it's subtraction. Less of me, more of you. Less of me, more of him. It's not about the addition of the pluses. It's about the drawing of the Spirit. Verses 20 through 23, as we close this scripture off, 
If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring things that perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no use or value to stop in the indulgence of the flesh. Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. It's a progression that they've got there. Don't look at it. Don't think about it. Don't even touch it. Stay way away from it. See, these are don'ts, but they're still adding pluses. They're saying you should do this to be spiritual, and this, and this, but also don't do these things. They're adding more things in our lives that we have to focus on instead of focusing on the one, instead of focusing on Jesus and what he tells us to do. See, there are physical disciplines needed in our lives. As we grow in God, as we recognize things, we do lay things aside. We do lay things down. But we don't do it to become a better Christian. We do it because God's revealed something to us. And he said, your life will be better if you change these areas. We are the image of God. And daily we become more like him. We project him more. And in doing so, we recognize some areas where we can lay aside. But not like these people were telling the Colossians, because that will show that we're spiritual. Because that'll show we're greater Christians. No, we do it because we love Jesus. And we want to be more like Jesus. In this context... These are just more pluses that focus on self. Don't taste. Don't even touch it. It's focusing on self. And I recognize in those last few verses, Paul is talking about that focus. Focus on Jesus, not on self. Focus on God. See, when we focus or put our goals on self-discipline, self-awareness, self-fulfillment, self-esteem, self-help, we usually wind up worshipping self because we're focusing on it. If we want to see these things change, focus on Jesus. It's not a matter of focusing on them, recognising them, yes. Understanding that sometimes we have some flaws and faults in our lives. See, as I got older... I realized just running at somebody and hitting them because they've got a ball was probably not the way to live. People didn't like that. It's a little bit too aggressive. You change. You adapt. You grow when you focus on Jesus, not on self. When you focus on what he's challenging us to do, what he's encouraging us to stay away from, it's not a matter of spirituality. It's a matter of growing up into the image of who we are created after, created for, and created to live for. So in closing, let me just say this. 
Jesus isn't about additions. He's not about the pluses. He's not about what we have to do to become spiritual. He's about subtraction. Less of me, more of him. See, when we come to Jesus, what does he say? He says, I will take. I will take. I will not add. The addition comes. He says, I will take your sin. I'll take that. Subtraction. I will take your guilt. I will take your shame. I will take your negative experiences. I will take your weights. I will take your burdens. In exchange, I give you life. I give you life and life more abundant. And in that exchange, what does he want back from us? More ceremonies? More areas where we're saying no to things? No. He's a simple God. That's what I love about him. I'm a simple man. All he wants is our love. That's it. And when you love someone, you try to keep them happy. And that's where the changes come. Not because we're trying to become some spiritual giant, but we love our Father. We love our Saviour. And we want to become more like Him. And we want to see those changes take place in our lives, not because of additions, but because we love Him. So don't allow someone to disqualify you in any way because of your do's and your don'ts. Simply live with this one mindset. You need Jesus plus nothing. Just Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for this word of wisdom. I thank you as we delve into it, we are constantly revealing more of your heart, more of your spirit, more of who you are. And Lord, I just thank you today that you are everything. We have no need of anything else if we have you. Because you hold nothing back. You give it all. You have always given it all. You always will give it all. And there's no need for anything more. Yes, we will grow. Yes, we will develop. We will lay things aside. We will recognize areas where we need to strengthen. We need to change. But it's out of a motivation of love towards you as opposed to a desire to reflect something that we're really not or to keep somebody else happy because they believe that's the way it should be done. Lord, our desire is only for you and our desire is only to keep you happy. And if we do that, then we achieve everything in our lives that we need to achieve. Father, I pray that your spirit pour out upon your people, that you give us opportunities this week to draw nearer to you, to draw sustenance, to draw down from, not worrying about additions, but just drawing from you, Lord God, drawing from your presence, drawing from your spirit, drawing from the anointing, 
Lord, we put us in, ourselves in that place of drawing because it's in there that we find true power, true freedom, and true spirituality. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.